With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Joey Eagles in the house. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the WIRN Health and Wellness Channel right here on TalkShoe. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You guys are all welcome to pop in if you have any, uh, you know, anything you want to say, comments, questions. Please call on in and let us know if you have any comments or questions about what the CDC, ladies and gentlemen, is doing to chronic pain patients. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They're taking away our opiates, and that's not right. A lot of people live on their opiates. A lot of people have better uh, lives because of their opiates. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's key, ladies and gentlemen, is that we need to make sure that people who don't understand this fact understand that chronic pain patients need their opiates, ladies and gentlemen. They can't be reduced. They can't be taken away. I mean, like, let's look at some people who passed away because their meds were taken away from them because they died of withdrawal symptoms, ladies and gentlemen. Come on now. Let's chat about this today. Uh, let's also chat about our new campaign that we have out there in utilizing an awesome hashtag, JGF is not addiction. Uh, pain is not addiction. So it's JGF, pain is not addiction. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We need to come together and we need to work together to get our opiates back. All chronic pain patients, not just RSD, CRPS patients, this goes for all chronic pain patients, even people with back pain. I mean, there, there, there's so much out there, ladies and gentlemen, you know, with this. And we need to get more information out there with this, you know. So it's, again, JGF pain is not addiction. Sorry, I left that out on the first time I said it. It's JGF pain is not addiction. So please uh, use that hashtag out there on Twitter, on Facebook, now, let's get the word out about this new campaign. My co-host today is the JGF diva, Crystal Murphy, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, unfortunately, our other usual co-host, Timmy Simonson, is dealing with some issues. Yes, he's dealing with some issues, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we wish her the best, and we pray for her. So God bless Timmy Simonson. Uh, she is going through a tough time right now. So God bless our good friend, Kimmy Simonson. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my co-host right here, Crystal Murphy, the JGF Diva. Hey, what's up? Word up. <laughs> hey, everybody. Everybody doing good today? I hope it's a beautiful day here in North Carolina. Joey, how's it up there? Oh, it's so beautiful over here. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, it's, uh, 50-something degrees, so we're in the 50s, but it's, you know, comfortable. It's not cold. It's comfortable. It is 70 degrees here right now, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Everything's all blooming, and everybody's sneezing and snotting. It's lovely. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, that's going on with me too, Crystal. I'm telling you, I had to take my medication before I actually started the show. I was actually losing my voice because of the oh, yeah. music, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you know, uh, show hosts, you know, radio show hosts can't lose their voices, you know. That's that that's their forte. You know, yeah, so, you guys can't you can't see us through our braille here. We ha- we have to kind of stay in tip pop vocal shape here. But Joey, I was doing the same exact thing, and actually, I was sitting there going, "Ah, oh, crap! I forgot to take my Zyrtec." But so you know, um, if I start sounding like a male after a little bit, just bear with me; it'll go away shortly. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a deep enough voice as it is. I don't need to be going bassy here on you. <laughs> I, uh, actually, I actually had to take my Zyrtec myself. I'm on Zyrtec. Uh, 12-hour, it actually works really good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It works really good for me, too, and I've had allergies my whole life. And um, I got really um, just where I built up a tolerance and resistance to everything they had used on me because ever since I was two, I've been on allergy medications of some type, sort, multiple things, shots and pills and, you know, what have you. And and I had to go through the whole thing, but the Zyrtec has been the one thing that has remained a constant for me for 20, 25 years now. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a loyal Zyrtec I got you. I hear you. All right, so uh, we got some major things to talk about today. Obviously, we're going to continue talking about the CDC, uh, what they're doing to our opiates, but uh, we're also going to talk about our new campaign uh, through JGF organization called JGF Pain is not addiction. So, uh, Crystal, I know you have a lot to say on this topic. So, I gather, why don't you start? Oh, boy. And I think, Kimmy, if you're listening, this is where you really need to be here because you usually, like, roll the dice first for us. And so Joey and I are sitting here, like, twiddling our thumbs, like we're just waiting on you to, like, pop in. But, girl, we want to send you good wishes, best thoughts, prayers, and love you so much. We miss you, and if you feel like calling in and you're here, call in and talk to us. And you folks out there, call in if you want to call and share your opinion on the CDC guidelines that were recently released. Um, If you're a chronic pain patient, if you are a chronic pain sufferer, if you use narcotics, if you don't, what's your opinion on this? We'd really like to hear from you. Um, 724-444. Seven four four four, and then you have to put the ID code in, right, Joey? Yeah, you got to put all this information down at the bottom, uh, and then it's going to ask you for a pin. Uh, and you, and for the for your pin to call in, uh, you just hit the number one. Okay, so please make sure you hit the number one when it says enter pin, and you should get right into the show. So there you go. Right. Cool, thanks, Joey. Because, uh, you know, I, I was, we were discussing this just a few minutes before the show started, and I said I was kind of really surprised. Um, we, we've talked about this for several weeks in a row, and actually going back several months ago we started with this. But every show that we do, even though we kind of rehash the facts and we'll add a few things that we've learned or a few things that we're doing, it has not Not one time have we done a show that somebody didn't come back to me and say, I had no idea this was happening. And that is why we keep pounding and pounding and pounding upon this subject because it was done so secretly. And if you're not 
in the loop. And if your group is not in the loop, come join us here at JGF. We have started a campaign on our own, as Joey just described perfectly, hashtag JGF, pain is not addiction. And if you will search that in Facebook, we have got a page there, and you will see posts from some awesome people in our RSD groups, our leaders, and our members that speak about this. Quick recap. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but starting last year, the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, let me just reaffirm that because it is not the Federal Drug Administration, but the Center for Disease Control decides that we have got a, an addiction crisis on our hands. We have an epidemic of overdoses, an epidemic of drug use. Um, and in their infinite wisdom and secrecy, they decided to put together a small group of doctors toward the end of 2015 and put together in five Skype meetings what they considered should be the protocols, the procedures for what doctors should follow for prescribing opioid treatments for chronic pain patients. This group was not done legally. Mm -hmm. It was done secretively, and that's against the government rules. The government rules say that these members have to be publicly announced who they are. The meetings are supposed to be open to the public. That didn't get done. There was a massive outcry from uh, many support groups, including JGF and our, all of our people who did so wonderfully. And in doing so, the CDC was forced to redo a public, <laughs> I say that very, very liberally, a public meeting to where people were supposed to be able to come on and voice uh, their opinions and, and tell their stories. Now, what didn't happen and what they didn't tell, and you're not going to find unless you've done the digging, so just trust me on this because I can't source anybody. I just know we've talked about it enough. What happened was before you were allowed to sign up as a speaker, you had to submit your information, who you were, if you were a patient, a chronic pain patient, if you were a doctor, if you were a lawyer, what have you. This had to be submitted before this public speaking happened. They gave, it was a very short amount of time, don't quote me on this, but it's something like a 48-hour window that they had to get everything done. So people didn't even have time to get their stuff in. But people did submit their names, and you know, they're pain advocates, pain patients. There were doctors that were against these new guidelines. And the CDC, in their infinite wisdom, decided you know, we are really slick about this. We're going to choose and pick who we want first. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they ended up hearing from people not only that support them, but that are also in bed with them. They mm -hmm. did not hear from the huge advocates in the pain community. They did not hear from the really outspoken pain groups. N none of, of us commoners got to speak at this. So it, of course, was passed. This is not mandatory. These are simply uh, guidelines, as they're calling them now, for physicians to use to, to prescribe opioids to the general public. Now, that's a mistake in itself. The problem being is we can't really do a heck of a lot legally 
even as individuals or groups, um, several very well-known groups that have known to go after the government when things like this happen um, cannot go after them at this time because they are simply, quote, suggestions. It's mm -hmm. not the law. But mark my words, it, it will be, and it will be if, if we all do not start speaking up and saying something about it. If you've been online at any time or if you've been to the shows, you know what a big deal this is because it does not only include chronic pain patients. What they've done in their statistics is they have skewed those numbers to make it appear that addiction in total, I mean everybody, addiction is this huge epidemic, whereas they like to spew these statistics out. Well, we like to spew them out ourselves, and we can say that the last statistics were in 2012, and that's the ones they go by to, right? There were 16,500 deaths out of all the users of opioids. That was 910 million users. That equates to a percentage of 0.00. .00 2%. Mm -hmm. That is by far an epidemic. It's not. It's tragic that we lost anyone. Mind you, these are grouping, they're grouping us in with heroin addicts. No. Just as a backstory a little bit, heroin is an opioid. Heroin happens to be one of the more common, readily available, easy to get street drugs, I'm told. And they're grouping opioid users in the same classification as heroin users. And that, you know, responsible people, even like ourselves, you know, we are all for treating patients, as we've all said, Joey, we're all for treating patients with addictions too, heroin addictions included. I mean, humans are humans and you deserve the right to um, ethical and moral treatment, some compassion, and some empathy. Uh, a lot of times these heroin users may be chronic pain patients that can't afford the doctors. I mean, you don't know the situation. But they want to use that against us, and we're all being lumped, grouped into one category. Mm -hmm. Something like less than 2% of long-term chronic pain patients actually have been found to be in the abusive category. Now, these are people that do need medications for whatever their chronic pain issue is. Less than 2% of those people that have valid prescriptions abuse the medications that they're given, or they will doctor shop and get different medicines. Again, that's far from an epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I know you've got another one here somewhere. Here, oh, like, you know, with the alcoholism, this is another statistic that we've thrown out here about every time, out of about the 39 million Americans that received treatment for substance abuse in 2005, again, the latest statistics that they're publishing, 2.5 million were alcohol-related treatments. In alcohol deaths alone, there's one death in every 51 minutes in America alcohol-related, it cost Americans $59 billion, I mean, $59 <laughs> dollars in debt, that don't equate. Let me try that again. 
59 billion deaths annually. Again, that's around 30 people a day that are involved in motor vehicle accidents alone. About 100,000 people that die each year due to alcohol-related incidences. That's drunk driving, that's falls, that's lighting a cigarette and falling asleep. You know, that's all grouped together. So even with all of those things grouped together, they're at 100,000 people a year, far less than what we're seeing as this, quote, epidemic that the CDC wants to push upon us. Mm -hmm. Now, these recommendations are also limiting the doctors, um, which I have got mixed feelings about this. I um, understand most of these positions, they work for corporations, they work for hospitals, they are not independently owned um, entities, you know, they don't have their own practice. Um, as of now, what the CDC has said is they will allow each physician, I believe, up to 100 prescriptions per, uh, 100 persons that they can prescribe. Uh, medications too, and that was one of the later statistics I learned about, I think, about last week, and that might be a little more, a little less, but it was something around 100 per practitioner that, that was going to be allowed. Um, so this really encompasses every type of pain. So you fall and you break your leg, um, you have to have an appendectomy, God forbid, open heart surgery. Uh, you know, it, it's not only affecting the chronic pain patients. Uh, but, you know, what we are concerned about, what Joey has already mentioned, we know ourselves and what we push for here in JGF is to have pain recognized as a disease itself. It, if you look up disease, it is a condition that changes the life of a person. Mm -hmm. I don't know any better description I mean, pain should be the word beside disease. A disease is not just cancer and it's not diabetes. Pain's a disease. And to get it recognized as such would take so much of the stigma out, Joey. You know, yeah. that's, that's just what we face so much. And this is exactly the government that is supposed to support and help us and help the physicians we don't want addicts either. We don't want to become addicts. We don't take these medications to get high. Joey said it. We might just take them to have a better quality of life. It has nothing to do with it. And I dare find, I will dare you to find one chronic pain patient, especially in the RSD community, that gets high off anything they take. And I don't care if they're taking a buttload of fentanyl. I doubt you get high off of it mm -hmm. because the pain is so unreal, folks. Um, we say this again and again. It's the highest rated pain on the more scales, highest rated pain. And, um, you know, they're wanting to say that that's, it's going to cut, at, cut, out, cut this out. What they're doing is limiting those. So these hospitals control the doctors that run your clinics. And the hospitals are threatening, threatening the doctors with their jobs you are only going to be allowed to prescribe non-opioid treatments. That's your Tylenols, that's your um, acetaminophens, Tylenol, same thing, um, Motrin, Nuprin, um, any of the non-inflammatory stuff, 
Mm-hmm. That's what they're pushing. Acupuncture, acupressure, physical therapy. Again, things that are not normally now covered under pretty much any insurance company, including the government's own, Medicare, mm-hmm. Medicaid, and the VA. Right. Um, so they really were very short-sighted. They were so myopic in this vision that they did that they didn't here they are recommending things for the doctors to try for us joey and <laughs> they won't even approve it <laughs> so you're, you're really kind of screwed um i tell you the more that we look into this the more that we find out about this is is really scary um it, it's really scary how covert they did this, and how they were able to pull this off. Yeah, right. And right. Yeah. Exactly, and not. And so I guess, you know, Joey, I'm surprised to hear it because, you know, to me, I, I've got a very good reason to keep up with what's going on with, with pain control. Um, but I also understand people that wouldn't have heard of it because they kept it so well undercover. And if you weren't privy to a good group like we thought or you were able to get information from the station or from a friend that's on the station or what else, you know, I guess we really shouldn't be that surprised because, honestly, I'm surprised that it's gone through this far. I do yeah. not think they would be able to pull this off, and they did. They think they've won, and unfortunately, I want to say that they've won this battle. They they really have successfully won this battle. Most of your doctor's hands are going to be tied um, as far as if you get some, and the goal is to have no opioids at all for any patient, which is leading doctors to totally, Joey said it, cut people, cut people off, mm-hmm. cut those opioids totally out. And folks, I'm here to tell you I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my career. I've seen it happen in friends of my personal life. I've seen people die much quicker from withdrawal than I have from overdose. Yep. Yep. And that scares me. But, you know, there was a study done. not going to go back and cite it because I don't want to get that technical. But just in March of, of 2015, a study from several different organizations, but two-thirds of the people surveyed in this group that were all long-term chronic pain patients, um, they said that they were no longer able to obtain hydrocodone, which is like your Vicodin, um, after it was reclassified just from a Schedule three to a Schedule two. Now, that was before any of this other stuff came into place. They started rescheduling it, right? And you've got to go every month, and you've got to get the prescription every month. So two-thirds of those people were no longer even able to get the prescription back then, back in March of 2015. Out of those patients, 27%, 27% said that they had suicidal thoughts after being denied their prescription of Vicodin. Wow. Now, those are the ones that admitted it. And that, again, was back in March. So now, what is that suicidal thought rate now that this is actually being implemented? And it was passed and implemented in January. 
when we've heard the personal stories, I told you my own personal story, which got um, the amount of peels cut, you know, that you could get per month. Um, and you're supposed to just be grateful because they'll give you something. Yes. So really, I, I, you know, I know that the, I, we know that it's coming. We know that it's coming. The CDC, I, I don't think, has any business in this. I don't know that the FDA would be any better. Um, the Phoenix House, which we talked in depth about, if you don't uh, know about the Phoenix House, it's a group of doctors. They are very much in bed contract-wise with the CDC, and they were the ones, uh, one of the people on the panels that decided these recommendations. Well, they are a substance abuse treatment facility. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but that right there tells me they some stuff up. There's some there's some money going around. There's some you pat my back and I'll pat yours. Oh, yeah. um, you, you know, I, I, Joey, it just it makes me so mad because I don't feel like that the government in this in this case and so many other cases, but we'll just stay here for right now, is not looking out for the best interest of patients. We also want treatment. I've said it. I'll say it until my dying day. I don't want addicts to suffer either. I feel that addiction is a disease as well. And people deserve access to mental health care. They deserve access to humane withdrawal protocols and medications. There's no sense in anybody going through massive withdrawals of anything that can be managed. So we are all on the addict side of getting help too. But we are not addicts. That's no. where the hashtag came from. Joey and I were sitting there talking about it, and that was like, boom, that's, that's it. Yep. Pain is not addiction. It's not an addiction. We that's have chronic that's pain. That's we that's have that's a disease. Right. It's a disease. It, it is a disease, exactly. It really yeah. is a disease. You would not deny diabetic insulin. I can easily, I can overdose on my insulin, and in fact, Deaths from insulin overdose outweigh deaths from heroin overdoses. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah. enough insulin that I could kill myself off right this second if I wanted to. Are you, yeah, well, you going to regulate that too because <laughs> I've got the potential to do that? Yeah, wow. Well, Anybody sure. that's got potassium pills can also do that. Are you going to limit potassium pills? Am I going to have to come in and do a P-test with my potassium levels because I have the potential to kill myself with it? I mean, it's, it's, it's asinine. What they've thrown out, Joey, is just a bunch of, of really, pardon the French, piss-poor excuses. And to categorize patients in pain, chronic pain especially, but it affects everybody any kind of pain is going to affect you. Toothache, too damn bad. You're not going to get anything for it. Take some Motrin and suck it up. It's unfair. It's not humane. And it's, it's just uncategorically. It's, it's incorrect. Oh, yeah. An addict and a patient that has a tolerance for medication, a need for medication that's been on it for 20 years, that's too different conditions. That's two different things. And for the CDC to take one giant paintbrush and paint everyone in this country the same says how ignorant they are. Mm, 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, you know, it's it's really sad. You know, people have to die. You know, for you know these people to get what they want. You know, I mean, like how many chronic pain patients are actually going to commit suicide because of this? You know, I mean, like let's think about the numbers that are going to rise if we actually have, you know, a uh, suicide prevention division in our, uh, you know, in our JGF organization. Imagine what's going to happen, you know, with that division of our, uh, you know, our expertise. Imagine what's going to happen to that when this goes into full-fledged, you know, uh, well, into full-fledged effect. You know, and right. the, the bottom line is, it's like, you know, well, it's either I live in pain or I kill myself. Or yeah. I stop my medications and I kill myself because I die of withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. Or there's really no no other choice but to live in pain at that point or commit suicide. That's your only exactly. choices, which is sad. That's sad that you have to have two choices, you know, that you really don't want. You know, you really don't want to live in pain. And half of us or more than half of us don't want to commit suicide. You know, so uh, more, more or less, I mean, there's, you know, there's just so many things wrong with us. There's so many things wrong with what they're doing. They're taking away pain medications, but it's not only RSD patients. It's everybody that has to deal with pain medication. So what are they going to take away somebody's morphine after they have a car accident or something? And, and they, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to die of the pain. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, geez, I mean, how much pain could one take, you know, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. I, we really need to come to some sort of a compassionate conclusion to this where chronic pain patients still have the right to their opiates and come to some compromise with the other side in some way. Because, you know, bottom line is you can't restrict opiates totally. Because you, in restricting the opiates, you're taking away the lifeline of chronic pain patients, okay? If we could come to some sort of a conclusion, there's so many of us that live on opiates. So many of us live on opiates. Me, not necessarily. I know Crystal. I don't know. Crystal, you take pain medication? I do, especially... Um during the spring, especially, and and I've, Joey, I've, I've been on them for like twenty five years, thirty years, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so and, if I can afford them, I get them. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's another problem. And that's another problem is people don't have insurance enough to pay for, you know, the, these medications. I mean, that's another problem we really need to look into. But you know, the the main problem is is that we need to figure out one you know, a conclusion, a compassionate conclusion to this problem where they're not taking away our opiates totally and we'll be able to get our opiates in some way. And, you know, if we've been using these opiates for 30 years, there's no reason why they should be taking away our opiates. You know what I'm saying? There should be no reason why to take away the opiate because it's helping you. It's working for you. So if it's working for you, there should be a compassionate conclusion they're, they're as saying, well, if it works for you, you know, we'll continue giving you that medication. You know, why take away the medication from everybody? And if it's working for somebody for 30 years, you're taking away their lifeline. 
you're taking away their lifeline, like, what am I going to do if I don't have this? You know, and then they're thinking in their head, and then all this anxiety starts, and all this depression starts. You know, and that's where, you know, people start going a little crazy in the brain. You know what I'm saying? So we really need to come to a conclusion here, a compassionate conclusion, where pain patients could still have their opiates, and we need to come to some sort of conclusion with the other side. We need to sit mm-hmm. down with these people and come up with a, a valid conclusion to this because it's, it's not working if you take away everybody's opiates because you're going to have mass people in pain committing suicide. Mass people, okay, because they won't be able to know what to do with this problem. You know, well, how am I going to get relief then? You know, and so on and so forth. Do you really want that? Do these, do these people really want that to start happening? Cleaning people's bodies up off of the street because they had to kill themselves, throw, them off, throw themselves off buildings and bridges? And like, Give me a break. You know, we don't need any of this. You know what I'm saying? We don't need any of this, but you're taking away our opiates. So the only choices we really have is to live in this immense pain that we live in or throw ourselves off a bridge, you know, basically, you know, and, and you know, it, it's really, it's really sad that it actually has come down to this point, and it should not come down to this point. Pain patients are just as important as any other patients, and we need to be looked at as such, you know, and that's the problem, too, is that we're not recognized as a disease. Pain is not recognized as a disease. Pain is pain. It's going to go away with a little bit of medication. You know, that's the way they look at it, you know. And no, you know, no. A lot of us live in chronic pain. Now, chronic pain doesn't go away. Chronic pain is incurable. A lot of these autoimmune conditions are incurable. They can't find a cure for it, you know. You know, the bottom line is, the bottom line is if you take away their opiates, they're going to do some really nasty stuff to themselves. You know, and we don't want that. You know, here in, the, in, the, in, in this community, we don't want that to happen. We want to save as many people as possible. We want to teach people about chronic pain conditions. We want to allow people to learn how they can deal with their chronic pain condition and still do what they love, you know, and so on and so forth. There's a bunch of different things we do in JGF organization. We really want to sway people away from committing suicide. That's one of our goals. I mean, we honestly, we saved over 40 people's lives, including international people, too. We saved international people's lives, too. So, I mean, like, we care when people come to us and they say, I want to end it all, or I can't do this anymore. We jump right on that, and we want to save their lives. You know, we want to show that they have friends and family still here that care about them. You know, um, and that's, that's an issue. If we're going to have a lot of these people just saying, I can't take it anymore, we're not going to have many people to handle the situations. I mean, we don't have many people right now to handle the situations. What happens when the opiates go away and three times the people start coming to us? Well, what do I do? And we won't be able to handle the influx. We won't be able to handle it. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I just care for the people. I don't want to see the people die. I want to see them survive and, and utilize their talents and utilize those, those talents that they have within to, to, to be a success in life and not have to die a, a poor, painful soul, 
You know what I'm saying? You know, so, you know, and, and, you know, when you have compassion for people, when you have a spot in your heart and and a a humanistic approach to life and a humanitarian approach to life, you know, you don't want to see anything happen or anything harmful to happen to anybody or them to commit any sort of suicide because then you feel that, well, you were a part of that, you know, in some way, oh, I couldn't save that person. Oh, I wish I could have saved that person. You know, I wish I knew, I wish I knew that these people were taking off their meds so we could coach them through it, you know. I mean, like, there's so many of our own, you know, RSD patients that were taking off medications and they died of their withdrawal symptoms. Really good friends of ours. Really good friends of ours. You know, because the doctor decided, oh, well, we're just going to rip away, you know, the, the only thing that's allowing them to survive, we're going to rip that away because it hurts our pocketbook. Oh, it hurts our pocketbook. So basically, if I continue to give them medication, uh, I won't get paid, and I'll get in trouble from the government, so I'm just going to stop it, and whatever happens to the person happens to the person. That's the way they look at it. You know, that's the way they're looking at it, you know, a lot of these doctors. And a lot of the doctors are affected by this, too. You know, the doctors shouldn't be affected either. I mean, I feel bad for the doctors in that, in that, uh, in that request, too, is if they really want to help the patient, how could they help the patient with the new things coming through? You know, if they right. really want to help the patient, the really good doctors, how are they supposed to help the patient? If they're going to get in trouble, they're going to get fined or whatever it is, and they, uh, you know... They feel bad. I would, I would, uh, you know, see some of these doctors crying in the streets because they can't help, you know, and and so on and so forth. So, you know, there are compassionate doctors out there, but obviously some of these other doctors that weren't compassionate and the people dropped dead because of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. You know, so the bottom line is, is that we need to preserve life. So the way we preserve life with pain, it's keeping our opiates because in keeping our opiates, we control that pain in certain people, okay? Not everybody. In my case, I can't take medications. I tried 15 different medications and it didn't work for me. I found something else that works for me. But in a lot of other cases, you know, people aren't going to find those things for themselves. You know, so they need the opiate. They need the opiate. You know, and that's the only lifeline that that person has. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and it's really sad that they want to do that and take it away. And, yes, I'm going to stand up for it. And, yes, JGF is going to stand up for it. Uh, you know, we, we are not allowing this to happen. We're not going to allow this to happen. We are going to fight so hard against it, and we want you to join us. We want you to join us with our new campaign. Our new campaign was created out of all of this hoopla, you know, because when it comes down to it, we're very compassionate about other people's lives in this organization. And that's why people like Crystal, people like Kimmy, join JGF organization because they believe in the mission of what we are trying to do, save people's lives, put people's lives back on the right path, helping people get through their pain, and not only pain patients, there's a bunch of other divisions that we have. But we're just trying to get people back on the right path, you know, you know on this earth. Because, it, it, honestly, 
things seem so awry these days, you know, and we really want to, you know, one person at a time, put people right on the back, right path. You know what I'm saying? Put, put them back and, and say, well, let's bring spirituality back into the life. Let's, you know, let's, uh, you know, bring, you know, a, a better mental stature to their life. Let's bring better emotions back. Let's bring nature back to the people that really need to watch nature and look at nature. You know, oh, what about the dogs? Usually chronic pain patients have uh, animals that work with them, and it works really good. You know, who wants their animals taken away? No. I mean, you know, they really need animals. There's something called animal therapy or, you know, uh, pet therapy where they have a pet and they, and, and they feel a lot better when they have the pet around. You know, and what if you rip that pet away from them? You know, so it's like, you know, give me a break. There's a lot of different things that we focus on in JGF, but our main goal is humanitarianism. We care about the people, very compassionate about every single chronic pain patient. And when one dies or one commits suicide, we feel it's our fault. Well, oh, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be there to talk to this person. Like we said about our friend that passed away last year. Oh, I wish we were there, you know, to talk, to, talk her out of, you know, this withdrawal or whatever it was, you know, and, 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 and so on and so forth, you know. And, you know, in some cases you're just too late for certain people. You're just too late, you know, and it's not your fault. It's not your fault mm -hmm. that those people do what they do. You know, it's something they, they needed to do. I mean, it's obviously very painful conditions we're dealing with here. RSD is very painful. Fibro is very painful. You know, let's think about lupus as being very painful. And, and you know, and all these other autoimmune conditions, all these people are going to be affected by this opiate lift. So we need to all come together as a chronic pain community, as a chronic pain community. You know, and, and uh, like I said, even um, when people get into a car accident or have a very bad accident at work, you know, what are they supposed to do? Rive in pain in the hospital and they're not going to get their morphine? You know, so, I, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just sad. It's a sad uh, reality that, you know, is this really a population limiter? Are they limiting the population by taking away our opiates. You know, is that a way of limiting the population? I, I don't know. But, you know, bottom line is, is the choice is to be made. And you, either you live, it, live in pain after this lift or you, you commit suicide. You know, and it, it's, it's really sad that those are the two choices that you have. Those are the two choices that you have after this lift happens. So we don't want it to happen so JGF is going to fight so, 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 so hard. We're going to put out our petitions. We're going to put out letters. We're going to put out calls. We want you to join us. We have phone numbers. We have posters up. We have a page up for all of this. We want you to join us. We want you to be a part of it, okay? We want you to join forces, finally, and come together as a community. You know, and that thing, you know, that's another big thing. If we're separated as a community... Our, our voices are going to be separated when we go and march on Washington or do whatever we do. You know, we don't need a separate voice. We need everybody marching in unison to say we want our opiates back. That's what we need. We need people marching in unison. We need people sending petitions in unison. We need people calling left and right 
in unison. It don't matter what organization you're a part of. Now, come on now. You know, it doesn't matter any of this stuff. If you don't come together as a community, how are we going to fight this? There's no way we uh-huh. can fight it. There's no way we can fight it then. You know what I'm saying? There's so many chronic pain patients, but we're all estranged. Most of us are estranged. And we need to find a way to come together and work together to get this not passed by the government, okay, not passed by the CDC. Because <laughs> it's either going to be mass suicides or mass people trying to come and get some help from our suicide prevention division, and we're not going to have the hands to do it. We're going to be burnt out every day. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, the bottom line is either people are going to be living in pain or people are just going to take themselves out of it. So, mm-hmm. Well, you know, Joey, I'll tell you, um, Carrie, um, Carrie in our JGF group, our RSD leader, uh, she posted a, a, good, a really good thing today. I haven't got, there's been several articles that are in, in the RSD groups and that are on the uh, pain is not an addiction page, but um, she posted one today about Obama's plan, who he unveils this plan to allow more patients access to opioid medications. And, you know, when you look at the headlines, it's like, Awesome, and I was so excited to see Carrie had posted this um, today, and I was reading about it, and then I thought, okay, there's there's some kind of trick here. So let's let's read on. The Obama administration on Tuesday puts out this handful of measures that's supposed to curb the nation's quote opioid epidemic. I'm going to come out and say that the government, the CDC, the FDA is they're doing nothing but propaganda speech and fear mongering here. There is an issue with non-legal abuse. There is an issue with people using prescription pills that aren't theirs and abusing them. We're getting grouped into that. So anyway, that what they're trying to do is he's trying to put out a couple of band-aids that are on a damn artery. But I guess it's better than just ignoring it. But what I guess that's where that number came from. What what part of the CDC has encouraged the doctors to do, along with these uh, non-opioid treatments, in patients that are a um, have a history of addiction, mind you, so the, the addiction is is using some of the drugs um, like the um, bupromorphine, 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 bupro. Oh, what's the name of it? Bup. Buprenorphine, buprenorphine, there we go, um, which is a drug that is used to uh, for people that have had addiction problems mm-hmm. with opioids specifically. Mm-hmm. And what that drug is, 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 a, is a kind of opioid, okay? So what it does is it's a partial opioid agonist. Mm-hmm. So it'll take some of that stuff to ease some of that pain, some of those withdrawal symptoms. But if it's used in a way that it's not intended, let's say that the person gets a hold of it, crushes it, snorts it, smokes it, they go into immediate withdrawal because there's a medication that's in it called Narcan that reverses any narcotic that's in your system. That's great for a heroin addict. (laughs) And it's okay for people that have had problems with abuse that still have chronic pain. And we have to address them too. So what they're doing is he's like, 
recommending or he's saying that the doctors, you know, their specialty clinics, the methadone clinics, you've all heard of them, um, where they'd be able to treat double the amount of patients because they are limited in number of how many prescriptions they can write for um, methadone or, or related substance. Mm -hmm. The problem is that even the own medical community is coming in and saying, uh, and mind you, this was only published yesterday, I do believe, it came out Tuesday or came out today, was done yesterday. Anyway, um, the problem is, is they're saying you're substituting one medication for another. <laughs> so it's not really, again, an answer to the solu uh, solution. It's not a solution to this problem. No. They're going on to say here, like, that, Oh, let me see where these statistics are here. I'm just scrolling and scrolling. Again, 2.1 million Americans are addicted to opioid painkillers. Now, let's stop there. 2.1 million Americans are addicted to opioid painkillers. It does not say they use painkillers. Right. It does not say it is the grandsons that are using it. It doesn't say it's somebody buying it off the street. It doesn't say that it's the like that pharmacist that was up in New York, is it close up to you, uh, Joey, that was uh, a, a PA, and he was um, running a fentanyl business, and he had a business set up, and he saw one patient every five minutes. He would prescribe the fentanyl. They would pay him a certain amount, and he could either they could either pay this physician back in fentanyl or part fentanyl, part money, for giving them the prescription. And so he was using it himself. Right. And so he got charged, I don't remember how many years, I think seven or something like that, but he got charged. But obviously there was a pharmacist in on this also, and he was seeing a patient every five minutes. So, yes, there's a problem, but of the one of the 2.1 million Americans, that does not mean that everybody is addicted to opioid painkillers. And it does not mean that those are all chronic pain patients or addicts. Do you see what I'm saying? We're getting grouped together. And it says, and then another 500,000 are hooked on heroin. There's a difference, and they know it. Tolerance. We're going to all develop tolerance. Tolerance is totally different from addiction. Mm -hmm. Tolerance means you've been on a medication for a length of period of time to where it's reached the maximum potential that it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. That's when you start to have the pain getting worse or it starts spreading or whatever. And you go back in and you tell the doctor, well, you know, I've been taking the same thing. It's not working. And so uh, before all this, they may raise your dose. They may change you to a stronger medicine. Mm -hmm. Dependent tolerance isn't addiction. But yet right here in President Obama's uh, little words of wisdom, backed up by the FDA, we're all addicts. Yeah. Wow. Now that includes you if you might take one pain pill once a month. You're an addict. Yeah. By yeah. statistics, right. you're an addict. Well, here's, here's my thing, Crystal, with this. I mean, why, all right, I, I don't know if this will spur a debate, but why is the, you know, why is the government even bothering to regulate anything? You know, I, I, that's, that's, my, that's my issue with this whole thing. Why does the government even have to be a part of what we're doing here? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's more up to the doctor and the patient. 
That's what it is. It, I mean, it, 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 it's a conversation between the doctor and the patient. Why is the government got to, you know, put their nose in between the doctor and the patient? You know, that's mm-hmm. my problem. That's my problem. Why is, I'm gonna say, why is he even coming out and saying that? He don't know about pain. You know, so I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, does he have a relative that has pain? I'm probably not. You know, so, I, I mean, I don't understand why, why, why so much regulation has to happen, why so much rules have to occur for them to take away our opiates, and why do they have to be that middle person to say, we're going to take away those opiates right now? You know, mm-hmm. and that's my problem, Crystal. I, I don't know. I don't know what what you have to say about that. But. Uh, no, no. I, well, Joey, I've always been one that I feel like that the medical, um, the med- medical process in general should be between your doctor and yourself. Mm-hmm. or your team of doctors and yourself, or your team of physical therapists, doctors, and yourself. I believe in a multimodality treatment also. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, if you think taking a bath in purple jello cures you, then I'm going to say, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if physical therapy works for you, go for it. If, if the narcotics, you need them, then you need to go for that. I don't ever think the government needed to be involved in any medical decisions. So uh, certainly not this one. Certainly not this one. Um, Because they don't belong in any of this medical stuff. They don't know. I don't care how many doctors they hire because they are doctors for hire. And they're going to say what they want to say. Um, You know, it it means nothing to me. These things that he's put out all look good when you look at them, but it really is not going to do very much. For instance, like he announced the creation of a task force to advance the access to mental health and substance abuse or substance use disorder treatments. Again, you're being labeled as an addict mm-hmm. and a plan and, to improve well, access yes, to the substance not only that, abuse services. But we're being labeled, we're being labeled as mental cases. Exactly, well, exactly, which is already a stigma we fight. Yeah. We fight that alone. That's not even having to... I know the majority of people that I know personally, the majority of people that I took care of for so many years, they're almost ashamed to ask for pain medicines. They're almost ashamed to say, I'm hurting, as if it's a flaw, as if it's a weakness. And then when you do... What is always their answer when they can't find the answer? It must be in your head, and you need some therapy. Right. Well, right. good luck finding somebody that's going to take you if you don't have any money. Right. right. Good luck finding somebody to take you if you're on Medicaid or Medicare. Right, because no, none of these, none of these uh, psychotherapists actually take that. They don't take Medicare or Medicaid, so you're not going to exactly. get your medical therapy. If uh, say I lose workers' comp, I lose my therapist. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. Which is ridiculous because I mean I think that you know from from this is solely my opinion. Let's throw this out there just for that we're not professionals. We don't advocate for any specific treatments. Um, we advocate for them all for for everybody because we're all different people, 
and different things work for different folks, but we're speaking from our own experience and these are our own opinions, so please take them as that because we're not the experts or the pros on this. We're upset about it and, and we're advocating for, for ourselves and we're advocating for everybody that's a human, <laughs> actually, actually human beings that walk on this earth that we care about. Um, so many people have fallen through the cracks with the Affordable Care Act and not having insurance. I'm one of them. I have no income, but yet I cannot get Medicaid in North Carolina. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, if I can't afford physical therapy, if I can't afford mental therapy, if I can't afford occupational therapy, I can't afford to even go to the doctor. If I save to get that, I may be able to save up to get some medicines to knock the edge of it off. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the medicines work great for me. They make me feel a whole lot better. I can't afford them. Some of the therapies would probably work wonders. I've got terrible neuropathy. I could never afford them. So a task force, to me, that was like throwing a Band-Aid on, a, on an artery, honestly, and I can't think of a – I think it's just trying to uh, make it seem like they're doing something because there has been such a great backlash. But we spoke about this again last week, um, Joey, at the show, and we talked about what happened, and, and I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't ever want to bring it up. But what happened was everybody was mad and they started tweeting, you know, we're not addicts and posting and writing letters. And what did they do? They came back and they said, see, typical addict behavior. Yeah. We knew they were going to yell and scream when we took away. Either that, either that, or, oh, now they're fighting for something, so uh, let's give them a little something. Let's give them a little nudge and, and let's. Set up a task force for you, yeah, exactly, you know, and so on and so forth. Is that task force going to do anything? I, you know, I, I don't know. But well, okay. even if the task force does something, mm-hmm. um, you know, pain patients aren't taking narcotics to abuse them. <laughs> They're yeah. taking them to live, yeah, well, yeah, to right. have a quality of life. So you're not appropriate patient for a pain. Um, an opioid management treatment or a mental health treatment. You're, that, that's not even, that's not the reason you take it. The people that use drugs on the street, whether they are illegally obtained prescription medicines, whether it's heroin, whether they cook meth, those programs will be more suited for those people. Mm-hmm. That kind of treatment and, and thing, that's not going to help the pain community. Let's put it that way. That's not going to benefit um, the pain community, not in one, not in one way or the other, and and neither is their other agreement, which is um, the FDA putting the black box warnings on certain narcotics, which is going to be your fentanyl, which is going to be uh, you know, Dilaudid, Demerol, hydrocodone, oxycodone, uh, MS Contin. Those are all going to be black box. You know, with the warnings of the list, you can get addicted to this. You know, you can get this is it can be fatal when you use this. That's not going to help us either. No, definitely not. Because so that's going to sway people away. That's going to be sway people at all. Should I take this medication? You know, so they're just trying to sway pain patients away from the medications. You know, and I don't know. I, I don't foresee the task force doing much. 
<laughs> and I don't foresee, you know, I don't foresee, you know, actually putting, you know, these big notes on on these medications like or in big black letters, uh, you can get addicted. I don't think that's going to work either because it's going to sway people away from taking the opiate. You know, uh, and when people see that, oh, and they question themselves, oh, should I take this opiate? You know, right. And, and so on and so forth. So, are they really helping, or they are? Are they really trying to sway away people? You know, with the various things that they're putting together. So, I, 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 I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tell you what I think, and and this is an opinion, and and let me hear you with this, and then maybe you guys, this is something uh, a train of thought that, I guess, having been in the medical community. Uh, this is kind of how my mind goes, but I think that the more that they try to justify this, the more that the doctors are going to continue to back off of not prescribing in fear of lawsuits because now you've got a black box on the medicines. Now you've got the recommendations that they are strongly pushing down their throat. Um, and I think the doctors now are just going to throw their hands up and say, I am not getting in the middle of this and I don't want to be sued. That's true. I mean, yeah, that's a good way to look at it, too. I mean, the doctor, you know, wants, is making a living. So you think they want to be sued for, for millions of dollars because they prescribe a pain medication for somebody? So, yeah, maybe they are trying to sway away the doctors, you know, by, by uh, you know, putting these, you know, these labels on, on specific medications. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. It's just, I mean, it, I, I see that coming. I see that happening. And I just think that the sometimes, I mean, I think that just makes us need to push even harder because I think the more that they allow these little, what I call little things, these little things kind of add up. I think it just bolsters the doctors. And, and some of them, Joey, want nothing more than to help you. And if oh, it's why narcotics, not? you know, they, I know that I'm not trying to knock on doctors. My, I have, have had some very compassionate doctors that I've worked with, and I've had some doctors that just don't believe pain exists at all, even if they cut you from stem to stern with a knife. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there are all kinds of doctors, and I'm not trying to knock on health care providers at all. They are doctors, but their hands are tied. And then they pay out the butt for liability insurance. You know, especially if they're owned up in there. The pain management doctors are usually anesthesiologists. Their liability insurance is outrageous. It costs them a fortune. So what I predict has happened is probably the rates for them have already gone up because that's a place that's, you know, more likely to get sued is like in anesthesiology. Um, the type of patients that you're dealing with in pain-type centers um, also increases your liability. So I can really see them now backing off, really backing off. And um, I don't even think offering like the, um, the uh, methadone type of treatment, right? Because people get addicted to methadone too. They get, they get addicted to both of those medications that are used for opiate withdrawals. Um, so I don't, I, I see, a, a, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't well, know what they're going to do. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to risk it. Yeah, Marcy just put in the, in the chat room there, she's going to the pain management doctor tomorrow. She's hoping that he doesn't take away her Vicodin, you know. And, exactly. And, you know, and it's really sad. It's really sad what's going to be happening here. I told you when I spoke before 
this is it's gonna it's gonna be bad. You, you know, it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy for chronic pain patients. You know, to either make the choice that they have to make, either live in pain or take themselves out of here. You know what I'm saying? But those are the two choices that are going to be left for people, unfortunately. You know, um, if they start taking away these medications, which they, they claim they're going to start doing that very shortly. So, and they're already started to do it. You know, so, you know, the bottom line is the doctors don't want to get sued, so they're going to take out the medication because, oh, I don't want to get sued and I want to save my own possible. You know, but a lot of these compassionate doctors are going to say, well, how the hell do I help my patients then? And they should speak up then. Those doctors should then speak up and say, well, how am I supposed to help my patients? This is what I went to school for, and how am I supposed to help my patients? You know, uh-huh. the compassionate doctors should speak up, you know, and say, you know, join us, join the patients. The compassionate doctors should join the patients and say, why are you doing this to my patients? You know, and so on and so forth. Why are you going to put them through all this hell because you want to save a little money or, or you want to, you know, make them look like they're mental cases instead of pain patients. You know, right. and bottom line is it's like it's really sad how they group us, how they, how they stigmatize us, how, how they, they discriminate. Discriminate, ladies and gentlemen. That's a big word, discriminate against chronic pain patients. Okay? It's almost like racism or sexism, what they're doing to chronic pain patients, you know. And uh, it's not right. And chronic pain patients need to stand up. Chronic pain patients need to say something. And the doctors that treat those patients, if they're compassionate enough, they will stand up with us. You know, and all those other aides, you know, nurses, you know, PTs, OTs, people that believe that we should have our medications should all stand with us, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, And we need all the help we can get. Honestly, because we have celebrities against us, right, Crystal? So you know. Absolutely do. We absolutely do. Um, and this is not to call anybody out, but um, um, Todd actually posted this uh, in the JGF um, groups yesterday. I'm not sure exactly which ones, but um, Linda Carter, who is Wonder Woman, um, she actually came out in support of the CDC guidelines. Now, I'm sure she probably has a personal reason for doing so. Um, you know, we kind of know that Hollywood has its fair share of deaths from overdoses, but those usually are not from chronic pain patients. Again, those are from people that are addicts. So maybe that's where her point of view comes from. And, you know, we encourage, and Todd even put on there to encourage a very gentle tweet. We don't want to, you know, scare the woman off, but we want to educate her. We want to educate everybody as to why this is so wrong. Um, you know, if, if, if you see someone that is a, uh, a celebrity that's on our side, please get back with us, uh, me, Joey, Marcy, Kimmy, any, any of us, because we're trying to contact some of these celebrities to kind of get a, a voice to go along with ours. Um, and, and, and even if it's on the negative, even if they are for this, you know, because they need to know that we're all for regulating narcotics, too. We're all for that. If we weren't, we wouldn't agree to have to, how humiliating is it to go in and, and be urine tested? Yeah. They know good and well. They've got a central system that's set up throughout the United States, and it doesn't matter where you go get your prescription at. 
it shows up all over the state, all over the United States. We've got a great tracking system. Does that keep the wrong pills out of the wrong people's hands? No, not all the time it doesn't. But I know that there is a very easy way to track legitimate pain patients. And we subject ourselves to this willingly because we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. We don't have a choice. Pain wasn't our choice. Right. And we don't have a choice when it comes to if we want to get pain managed. In my opinion, using narcotics at a lower dose, as low as is possible, as safe as possible, taking away the Tylenol out of them or whatever that you need to do, is a, is a much better choice than some of these more invasive treatments. Right. We know that drugs can cause problems. But again, let's use Kimmy as an example. Kimmy's didn't come necessarily from the narcotics. Kimmy's came from the acetaminophen that was in the narcotics that nobody tells her that she's taking two, three, four times the dose of acetaminophen. Mm -hmm. And that caused her to go into liver and kidney failure. Again, but that is grouped under the drug drug-seeking, drug abuse. Yeah. That's not like I didn't have any clue that it had Tylenol in it. You didn't tell me. Right, right. So the statistics, Joey, it makes me furious because they really have not, it looks better to group it all together. It it looks wonderful and it looks like pat me on the back. Drug use is a problem. We know it's a problem. Address the drug user's and quit punishing the pain patients. That's right. Absolutely. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, all these manipulative forces. I, I'm telling you in this world, you know, I mean, like, you know, we really need to focus on, you know, what we want as people, okay? You know, as a people that live in the world, we need to know what makes us feel good. We need to know our bodies, okay? And people who have chronic pain know their bodies, okay? They know what they feel every day, day in and day out, the different types of pain, the numbers of pain, even though some people don't like to use the numbers. You know, uh, the, 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 the different types of pain that we feel that we can actually describe, you know, to the doctors or to the people out there. When we say we're experiencing something, we're experiencing it. We should not be put down by manipulative forces, by corrupt forces, you know, that tell us what we are feeling. They don't know what we're feeling. They're not in our bodies, you know. And, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that bothers me a lot when, you know, these people come out and say, oh, well, oh, they're a bunch of addicts. Oh, they're just a bunch of nutcases. Well, do you really know what we go through on a daily basis? Do you have any clue what we go through on a daily basis? Do you know how hard it's to struggle out of bed in the morning? Do you know how hard it is to comb one's hair if you have RSD in your hand? You know, do you know that it takes a little while to get up out of bed, and when you get up out of bed uh, and you have RSD in your foot, you can't really put your foot down on the ground because you're going to be writhing in pain. You know, you actually have to walk on your heel or you have to hop around. You know, and and the bottom round, do they know what people go through in the comfort of their own home? Probably not. They don't see it. You know, so the bottom line is it's more or less 
that the manipulative forces really need out of chronic pain patients' lives. Chronic pain patients know what we feel. Hey, listen, guys, it's like, you know, anything. Any, any, you know, for instance, uh, the, you know, paranormal and supernatural. Somebody says they're an empath. Oh, it's an empath. You know, or they say, oh, I, you know, oh, I can read people. I'm a medium. Oh, well, I don't believe in that. Well, all the things that are not normal to people, people put down. You know what I'm saying? So pain being an invisible disease, they put it down. They don't see it, so they put it down. Oh, you look perfectly fine. You can go back to work. You know, and that's what you get. That's what you get. You know, oh, but they don't understand stress levels bring up the pain. Weather brings up the pain. They, they don't know what pain is. They have no idea. I've been living with pain for eight years. They don't know what pain is, so why be in a chronic pain patient's life if you don't know what they go through? If you don't know their experiences, if you, that's what we want. We want people's experiences out there. That's a good way to fight this, people's experiences, okay? That's what we need out there, people to come out and tell their experiences. That's why we have the shows that we have. So people could come out and talk about their experiences with lupus and Lyme in May, you know? And when it comes down to it, when we have our RSD shows in, in November, those, that's the biggest time, ladies and gentlemen, for people to come out and talk about their experiences. We want you to come out and talk about your experiences. We had about 30 people, 30 new people come out and talk about their experiences last November. We want over 40 this year. We're going for over 40 people to, to come on the show and talk about their experiences. I'm, I'm setting the number now, all right? Over 40 people who are new to talk about their experience because we need all these experiences out there. Even if you write down your experience and mail it in or call them up and tell them your experience or whatever it is, they need to hear what chronic pain patients go through because they have no idea what we go through. They have no idea, no idea what we go through, no idea. You know, and the bottom line is, if it wasn't for Colomar, I'd still be laying in my bed over there probably, writhing in pain, okay, because medications don't work for me. Some people, it works for. We want the medications back where we can readily get them. We need to readily have them available, and we need to have the doctors have the right to write that script. You know, that's actually a good hashtag. That's actually a really good hashtag. Write the script. We, we, and, and that can go along with JGF, pain is not addiction. You know, because we need the doctors to be allowed to write the script. If they can't write the script, they can't help the patient. So that means the doctor can't do their job. The doctor went to eight years of schooling to write the script, okay, to help a patient. And if they can't help a patient, you're basically taking away that eight years of schooling that the doctor went for. So everything that the doctor did throughout the doctor's life and all the education they went for was for not, because you're taking away their sole purpose to write the script. If they can't write the script, they can't help the patient. 
I mean, there's other methods, okay? I, I, I'm one of those other methods. I do polymer therapy. But a lot of people, they can't withstand polymer therapy. And they can't withstand ketamine or some of these other things. They can't withstand it. So medications is all they got. You know, so you're ripping the pen and pad out of the doctor's hand, and you're ripping away chronic pain patients' right to live. Okay, so let's think about it that way. You're killing chronic pain patients by doing this. You're killing them, literally killing them. Uh Okay, and you're giving the doctor no shot at saving that individual. You're giving the doctor no shot. A compassionate doctor will cry over this, okay, because they can't help. There's no way they can help because if they do help, they're going to get sued. And they don't have the money to pay the suit, you know, so it's like more or less the doctor goes out of business. So they don't want to go out of business, so they're not going to write the script and the patient dies. Or the patient lives with chronic pain for the rest of their life. You know, so... Let's come to a happy medium where the doctor can still write the script, okay? And, and, and there has to be some sort of happy medium here between both sides. There's always a way to come to a compromise. There's always a way, but people need to sit down at a table and come to a compromise. And sometimes it's tough to get that other side to come sit down at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, but when it comes down to it, you're killing chronic pain patients, and you're taking the pen and the pad out of, out of the doctor's hand, and the doctor cannot save that patient. And the compassionate doctor will go home crying every day because that doctor cannot do his job or her job, for that matter. That doctor cannot work. So I, I got a problem with that. You're taking away ethics. There's a lot of morality issues wrong with this, too, because, you know, there's a lot more wrong with this as, as well. You're going to kill people. You're killing people off by taking away their medications. That's a moral issue, you know. So, uh, you know, basically the bottom line is, you know, there has to be a happy medium. There has to be some sort of a happy medium, ladies and gentlemen, where we can come to a conclusion with this other side to say, yes, Okay, we still have a little bit of control over our pain medication status, uh, but you can have a little tiny bit of the control too. You know, this way, you know, it's more or less a, a happy medium, a, you know, a, uh, a compassionate review of what they're trying to do here, a compassionate conclusion what, that we can come to where we can have control over our medications where the doctor has no control. You know, right now, we, we need to have some sort of a control, you know, on that. Okay, but, you know, when it comes down to it, don't have the, the, the doctor totally not be able to write that script. You know, the doctor needs to be able to have the right to write that script and help patients that really need help, you know. Uh, so by taking the pen and pad out of the doctor's hand, you're, you're, you're rendering, rendering them useless. You're rendering them useless, ladies and gentlemen. That, that, you know, doctor, then what is the function of a doctor at that point? Uh, is, there, is there a function? 
or is the doctor just going to examine you, and that's it. You go into the doctor's office one day, and they examine you, and they send you home. What is that going to do? You know, that's not going to help you in any way. There's no treatment to help the problem, you know, because they can't write a script. So you're rendering the doctor useless, which is rendering us useless, you know. So, yeah, we need to come to some happy median, a compassionate conclusion to where we can still have our opiates and still survive, you know, with chronic pain. You know, and as as Carrie brought up in, in Chatterbox, it's almost like a death panel. They're saying, well, oh, these people mean nothing. These people mean absolutely nothing to us, you know, and we're just going to rip away their medications, and either they're going to live in pain or they're going to commit suicide and die. So that means you want to clean up bodies on the street, basically. That's what that's saying, you know, um, and, and so on and so forth. That's, that's not right. That's not a good way to look at it, okay? But that's the truth of what's going to happen. That's the truth of what's going to happen. It's, it's, they're going to come to us. We're going to be overloaded. We're not going to know what to do with all of these people that come to us. We're going to send them to the hotlines. You know, and then the hotlines are going to get over, over, over uh, you know, overused. So there's gonna, not going to be enough manpower to handle all the people in chronic pain. There's not going to be enough manpower because millions of us have it. Millions. So you're killing millions of people by taking away opiates. It's not right. So. Let's just reinforce again that even within the medical community, excuse me, RSD, CRPS, is called the suicide disease. Let's let that sink in. Even the doctors call that the suicide disease. We know as patients that have this condition, this disease, that they don't want to call it disease, we, we know the pain. And it's fortunate for those of us that help people, Joey, because we do know how bad it is. And we do know how it can make you feel like I, I can't go on. And that's with medications available. I think it's the one thing that if I could just gift to everyone, every one of you that are that, that's listening, Pain is subjective. Nobody but you and you alone can say what your pain is. Don't ever let a doctor, a physical therapist, a nurse, a jackass, a governor tell you what your pain is. They can't. It's impossible. Only you know that. And if you run into these people that say, oh, well, you can't be hurting that bad, well, Joey and I are here to say, oh, yes, you can. And it can be painful enough, especially if you're looking into this as being a long-term, lifetime thing, which is what we have. We're going to have this, folks. Until there's a cure, we've got this. And hopefully, I would love to see a cure in our lifetime. That's what we're pushing for. That's what we're hoping for. Until then, what do you do? Do you just let people suffer? And, and that's the vein 
kind of the letters that I've been sending off is just this is not an issue about governors and medicine and doctors and black boxes. This is a humane issue. This is a humanity issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have said it too. CDC is going to have a lot of blood on their hands, the FDA, the government. I, I tend to agree. I think it's easier if they get rid of the sicker patients. I think that's why they make us all go through hell with workman's comp. That's why they make us all go through hell with Social Security that we've paid into since we were 15 years old mm-hmm. and have every right to access. And they're dragging their feet. They're turning people down. They're making us wait three, five years. They're still fighting you. They're still fighting people over cases 10, 20 years down the road. When we know this is a condition we have to live with for the rest of our lives. And if it's something as simple as a very well-monitored medication system, that to me is humane. That is ethical. Mm-hmm. Now, what's not ethical is the past 15 years of the CDC and the FDA letting these rogue doctors write these prescriptions to people that are addicts and knowingly right. doing so. That's right. They know how many prescriptions they write. They know. If you guys will stop and think about it, you probably know in your own community which one is the doctor to go to for drugs? Everybody does. I can tell you who it is yeah. in my community. Yeah. If you yeah. want a Xanax, you go to this doctor. If you want pain pills, you go to this doctor. So the CDC, the FDA, they know these doctors. Where the blame falls is them not addressing the source. We can't write these prescriptions. We're responsible with our prescriptions. Less than 2% of us have a problem with it. So let's help them with that. But don't punish the 98% of us that responsibly use that. Punish the doctors that overwrite the prescriptions. Publish, punish the doctors that you know. <laughs> you absolutely know. And, and Joey, the other thing that scares me, not along with the suicide, is I am afraid that people will turn to what they can get their hands on. And number one thing comes to my mind is alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's a big problem. Alcoholism is already a big problem in the United States. Yeah. And it's not illegal to go get it. You can get some fairly inexpensive stuff. Or what about the street drugs that you yeah. might have to turn to that you're so desperate that you would actually go there and you never thought you'd go there. But this pain is bad enough, folks. If you don't have it, just try to relate and trust me. It can take you to places you never thought you'd go. Mm-hmm. What if you get your hands on some of the worst stuff, some of the stuff that's killing healthy young people? And most of us are middle-aged people. Most of us are middle-aged women. Um, mm-hmm. That in the wrong hands is going to be disastrous in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pain medicines are not just even used just to treat pain. I mean... For a lot of us, let's say you use physical therapy. It used to be quite common practice to give patients something pain, a Vicodin, like 30 minutes to an hour before their physical therapy sessions. Why? They were able to do more. That strengthened them more. 
that might actually get them off pain medicines if you can get some of that straightened out. So their thinking has totally gotten convoluted. Now, if you are a patient that even just modestly, if you just barely use medications, I don't care if it's even Motrin, if you are very prudent in the use of your medications, I guarantee you use them for this. You use them to where you can get up and be more mobile. You use them to where you can actually get up and get to the grocery store one day. Mm-hmm. Or wash your hair, take a shower, do a load of laundry, take care of your children for a while. You do it to function. And what is that? That's physical therapy. That's working your muscles. If they take this away and all you do is stay in a fetal position, balled up because you can't take this pain, this is what's going to happen. The obesity rate's going to climb. The diabetes rate is going to climb. The deaths from heart attacks, from strokes, from um, blood clots in the lungs, I guarantee you they will, they will triple. You just watch and see what's happening. But this isn't going to be addressed or grouped as a comorbidity. And you'll see that word a lot in the medical journals, a comorbidity to RSD. Mm-hmm. We know that this is a problem with us. We have a tendency to clot. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you are less active, you're going to clot more people, and that will kill you quicker than a bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. So, again, very mild to you. And don't let any doctor tell you. If, uh, I don't know if you want to call that empowerment or just maybe peace of mind for yourself, because I know I've heard it so many times, Joey. You can't, not myself personally, because I probably knocked somebody down if they told me that. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, I've been at doctors, bedside with these patients with the doctors, and they're going, you can't be hurting that bad. Oh, oh. And I'm like, jackass, you don't know what they're feeling. I mean, you don't. And nobody knows what you're feeling. Again, I think Joey's point is a great one. Sharing your story. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love you to tell it. We'd love you to write it. We'd love to post it. We'd like to gather these things in the petition and gather these names. I've got some more things in the works I can't discuss right now, but hopefully a few bigger things that maybe we can make a better impact. And we're just going to ask you to keep tuned. Stay tuned with us. Stay tuned to the the show. Stay tuned to um, the groups. Come and join us. and. Help us help us make this happen. <clears throat> help us give us a voice. We yeah. need your story. We need your journey. We need what you feel is right. Do you really think that this is something that is a morally right thing to do, an ethically right thing to do? If you're listening and you have no pain, do you think that this is ethically correct? We want, we want to hear from you. We really do. Even if you totally don't agree with us, let us change your mind because I think we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I definitely have another point to this. And, and the, the point is, you know, those doctors that write the scripts to these abusers and to these people that like to sell drugs, they should be put out of business. You know, those are the doctors that should that should be being looked at right now. Not the doctors that actually are compassionate 
and try to help the patient, you know? Right. And, and, and the bottom line is, I, you know, if that's where we have to go with this, to make it more of a compassionate conclusion, then so be it. You know, mm-hmm. they should be focusing on the doctors that they know of, that they've been investigating, you know, that, that yes, put them out of business. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, t- I, t- I totally agree with you, Joey. Um, I think that, you know, as a doctor, you are held to a higher standard. Um, I think people are going to get drugs however they're going to get drugs. Well, it's yeah. kind of like the, the guns. They're going to get them one way or the other. So you can't just you can't punish one group of people to keep it out of the hands of another group. Right. I mean, that's just it, it's asinine. It doesn't make any sense. But they know the doctors that did this, and these doctors created and helped create these addicts, and they right. helped perpetuate that addiction. So they need their licenses stripped, and they need to be behind bars. They need to pay for that. They'll make us pay for their mistakes. That's right. I mean, like, I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm saying to myself, well, there has to be a handful of doctors that write scripts just for the sake of writing scripts. And those are the doctors, yes, that we need to take the pen and the pad away from. Okay? Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, you're taking the medications and the pen and the pad at a, away from all the doctors, even the compassionate ones. You know, and... You can't do that. It's not moral. It's not ethical. You know, I don't know what it is to be in the medical field. You do, Crystal, because you were in the medical field. You know, and I can only imagine. I mean, don't wouldn't they? Some people just go home and cry to to hear this happening. I, I mean, like as a nurse, as a nurse, Crystal, and you heard about all of this, and you didn't have. Imagine you didn't have chronic pain. You know, and you know you're not dealing with chronic pain, no no issues or anything like that. You're just a nurse working in the hospital, and right. you're hearing this, and you're saying, you know, well, why are they doing this? I can only imagine what you would feel like as somebody in the medical community. You know, like how would you feel? I, I I'm going to pose that question to you because you you're a nurse. So how That's would right. you feel? Yeah. I and and I I've got the great answer. I mean I. I have spent the majority of my life doing a nursing career, and not only that, but for the most majority of it, I worked um, on a post, a pre and a post-op floor, which we got people ready for surgery, and we, you know, took care of them afterwards. And we know that pain interferes with the healing process. <laughs> we know that. So you would never leave a patient in pain. That was one thing. If you didn't do anything, you made sure that they were breathing, you made sure that they're conscious, and you made sure that they were comfortable. You can't usually eliminate all pain, but you definitely can treat it to get to a manageable state. If they're in pain, they don't cough and they don't deep breathe, they get pneumonia. They don't walk, they get blood clots in their legs, it goes to their lungs, it goes to their heart, they have a heart attack, they have a stroke. There's many reasons to treat pain. Now, in chronic pain, there's really not that much of a difference. It's the same comorbidities, the very same ones. You're not as active. You might form clots easier. You'll gain weight. Your sugars will go up. You're going to get diabetes. 
it, it is very much the same thing. As a nurse, Joey, it would piss me off. And not only that, but I also, you know, worked in the pain center. So I was very much a pro-pain management nurse. I'm not for throwing out medications willy-nilly. We know better than that. And we're, we're responsible. We have licenses. Doctors have licenses. They have to take boards and tests and certifications. They know how to responsibly deal with this. They know how to responsibly monitor this. And still, the patients are getting punished. Again, this is not going to just affect chronic pain patients, folks. They're only wanting to use this for cancer patients in the chronic end stages of cancer, end-of-life care. That is the only thing that they're wanting to use opioids for. Mm. I believe that should be readily available to those people. Absolutely. Oh, How yeah. about these people that are not at the end of their life, but they've got cancer everywhere? Do they have to do without? Because the way the CDC and the FDA are wording it, yes. You're in so, a car wreck, you break bones from one end yeah. to the other? Yeah. Oh, here's you some nitrogen, Joey. Yeah, boy, that's going to help. <laughs> okay, so that's not going to let me help you heal. Right. Because the pain is going to take precedence over everything, the same way with our bodies. Your body is only able to handle so many impulses coming in. So you're going to automatically breathe, and you're going to automatically swallow and digest, and all that stuff that you don't have any control over. That just does it automatically. But pain can override all of these things. You, we already deal with insomnia. We can't sleep. Poor right. appetites because we don't eat a vicious, vicious, vicious cycle. So as a medical professional, it would, to me, I would be just livid about this um, because it is so counterproductive to what we took oaths of mm -hmm. and do no harm. That should be your number one thing. You're harming people when you treat everybody the same. You can't do it. So we all took oaths. You took an oath. A doctor took an oath. The people that work as hospitalists took oaths, right? All these people uh -huh. took oaths. You know, well, same thing. You know, government people take oaths too. You know, so when it comes down to it, are we really abiding by the oaths that we promise? You know, and, and with this law, we're not abiding by any of the oaths that we took. Any of the oaths, there's no reason why you would have to put your hand on the Bible at this point because it's so morally wrong what is going on here. And like I said numerous times, the society of death, they don't care about us. They don't care about us, ladies and gentlemen. The society of death, they want us to die, okay? They want us, you know, to not take our medications anymore and suffer and die of the pain. They want, us to, they want us to die. And that's the crazy part of this society that we live in. I brought it up numerous times. The society of death. They want to knock people off. They want to knock people out of this earth. They want, they want a, a number of people just to say, I'm done with it, and that's it, and they commit suicide and die. You know, and the bottom line is, 
we, we compassionate people, we humanitarian people that care about other individuals, we don't want to see that happen. It would kill us inside. Mm-hmm. It would kill us inside to walk down the street and see a number of bodies on the street. It would kill us inside. Because when it comes down to it, oh, we could have saved that person. Oh, we could have did something nice for that person. Oh, we could have welcomed them into the family. But it's too late now. They're gone. You know, and, and so on and so forth. So if they're compassionate people, this would kill us internally. This would kill us mentally. Okay? Because, you know, you, you want to drive the, the, the compassionate people crazy, take away people's opiates. That's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. You're driving us nuts because we're going to be the people that come out, be the advocates for these people. There's only so many of us, okay? There's only so many of the advocates. So when all the advocates are used up, then they go to the call lines. And when all the the operators at the call lines are, 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 uh, are used up, then where do they go? Some of these people have no families. Some of these people have no friends. Some of these people don't have jobs. Some of these people have no colleagues to go to. Some of these people are very alone. So what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they comfortable with inside themselves to stay alive? Hell no, they're not. They're going to kill themselves because they don't have anybody to help them. You know, a lot of these people are alone already. The family went away. The friends went away because, oh, they live in chronic pain, and we don't see it, and we don't believe in it. So uh, we're just going to walk away from you now, you know. Uh, or, oh, that person's a hypochondriac. I need to get away from that person. Or whatever it is, ladies and gentlemen, whatever the stereotype is that we have, we are the new minority. Chronic pain patients are the new minority, even though we are a bulk of the people. Even though we are a bulk of the people, we're still a minority. So we're in that category with racism and sexism and speciesism and all of that. We're in that category now. How do you like being in that category? I don't like being there. Okay, I don't like being in that category. But we're forced there because of what the government pushes on us, because of what not only the government, but the CDC pushes on us, what the doctors sometimes push on us, or whatever it is, we're put into that category, and boy, I'm not comfortable being there. I'm not comfortable being controlled. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with being in a discriminatory category or a minority category, but that is what we are. That's what chronic pain patients are. We need to get that through our heads. We are a minority, but we are a bulk of the people. We are a bulk of the people, ladies and gentlemen, that can actually stand up and say something. But if we don't come together, we can't say anything because we're all separated. So that's the key. The key is coming together. And if we could all come together, ladies and gentlemen, imagine what we could do. Imagine we put our organizations aside. Imagine we put, you know, you know, the, you know, whatever we do aside and focus on this issue, okay, but focus on it together, what we can do, how powerful we can be, how powerful we can be. 
But will that ever happen in a community like this one? I unfortunately refrain and say no, because I've seen what this community has to bring. And it's a community of jealousy. It's a community of not caring about the patient, caring about more about their pockets and the doctor's pocket and ironing the doctor's pocket and their organization's pocket before helping the chronic pain patient. Mm-hmm. So I don't foresee that happening in our community. But I do see JGF being the forefront of this and then the followers jumping on board. That's what I see, okay? There's a lot of followers out there, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of followers out there, okay? And they're looking for a leader. And I raised my hand. I raised my hand last year, and I said I would be that leader. I said JGF would be that leader, and everybody that works here would be that leader, okay? I raised my hand last year. A lot of people shunned me. A lot of people pushed me aside. A lot of people were jealous of me. So uh, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen with chronic pain patients actually come together behind one, behind one leader, not multitudes of leaders, but one. That's my problem, and that's why I foresee us not coming together. But I do foresee the followers coming behind us. I do foresee the followers saying, oh, well, they're doing something about this. Let's jump on their bandwagon, you know? And, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen, okay? There's going to be people in these other groups that will see that, hey, they're actually doing something great. Let's jump on their bandwagon, and they'll come. And then when it's all over, oh, who knows where they're going to go? You know, but the bottom line is, yeah, oh, let's follow the next guy that does something good. That's what the followers are going to say. Oh, yeah, let's follow that guy now. He's doing something good, you know? and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is we do have a lot more followers than we do leaders. So when I raised my hand to be that leader, I said to the community that you could follow me. I said to the community that you could follow JGF organization. And I raised my hand because I'm a humanitarian. I'm a humanitarian who believes that we should not be a minority. We should not be a minority, ladies and gentlemen, in our own country, in our own world. There's so many of us out there, but yet we are a minority because nobody believes in product pain. So I'm going to leave it there. Crystal, uh, you have about maybe six minutes for a conclusion, and then we can end the show. Awesome. Well, and just thank everybody for um, coming back in and for those of you that's been here for every one of these shows, listening to this again and again, but I don't think that we can uh, stress enough how important it is, how important you are, um, not only not only to this this mission of ours, but to us, and that we really do care. Um, we've lost too many friends to this disease, folks, and that's just with the disease in itself. We don't want to lose anybody else. We don't want anybody else to suffer. We don't want anybody else to feel any more pain, any more alone, any more isolated or 
traumatized because there's no better word. That's exactly what we get put through. Um, and, the, and the best way and the only way that I know to do this is is with all of us together, the, our, our whole DGF family uh, getting on board with this. And, um, you know, even if you don't have RSD in your living, please get on board with us. This is going to affect everyone with chronic pain. RSD happens to be the highest rated pain. Um, and so if you can imagine the worst pain that you've had, and you know how bad that is, and just imagine living that 24-7. I think that that's human enough to ask of people. And I think that if you come and join us, uh, 10,000 voices sound a lot better than one. But it takes us one by one to get to that 10,000. So come and join us. Please come and join us. Look us up on Facebook under JGF. You'll see a drop-down box there. And join our RSD groups, fibro groups, whatever suits you. We've got tons of groups. Just come and look and see. Come help us make a difference. Come help us make the change. And we'll do it, folks. We can do this. And I think that maybe we'll just put this out in the universe. Joey, that'll be my final thought. We're just going to put this out in the universe. We are going to get changes made together. We'll do it together. Step at a time, one step at a time, and not angrily as we really want to do because it's so hard not just to get on here and scream and yell because I'm so upset about this, but in an assertive way. In an assertive way and let your story be heard. Your voice is so much more powerful. Your story is more powerful than you know. Come help us. We love you guys. We care about you, and we're here for you. That's actually a really, a really awesome point, Crystal. And I just want to leave off by saying, in, you know, in jest, you know, but also in the memory of the great Martin Luther King Jr. and the great Gandhi, okay, in, in jest, we must say, you know, we need civil disobedience. You know, we need civil disobedience. Okay, we don't want to throw chairs at anybody. We don't want to throw signs at anybody. Okay, we don't want to punch people in the mouth. Okay, but we want civil disobedience. We want, you know, protests. If we have protests, that those protests need to be, you know, loud, but, you know, so they can hear us, but not aggressive. Okay, and the bottom line is, the bottom line is, guys, in the spirit of that, we need civil disobedience when we talk about these issues. Because, yes, we're all going to be fired up about this. But we don't want people dying because we feel this way. Okay, right. so the bottom line is civil disobedience needs to be taken up here. Or if we have any protests in the future, there ought to be civil disobedience and, and, and uh, you know, no throwing of signs, fists, chairs, you know, none of that. We're going in there. We're going to be peaceful, peaceful protest, but we could be loud and we want to be heard, but peaceful, but peaceful, okay? And that's all I ask, that we don't get so aggressive that people have their lives ended or, you know, people are screaming at one another. 
of uh, people actually having hatred for one another. No, there's no need for that. Okay, but civil disobedience, guys. That's my final word here. Uh, Crystal, thank you so much. I appreciate your time here today, and uh, we'll see you uh, later on. I have another Thanks. call later on. So, yeah. You betcha. I enjoyed it. Thanks again. Take care, you guys. Love you much. Okay, everybody. This is Joey Gago saying good night from the RSD and you show right here on the Health and Wellness channel on TalkShoe. God bless you, everybody, and you have an awesome night. Bye now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.